God is with us. He's always with us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you so much. I thank you that you're in control and that you're sovereign over all things. Lord, I thank you that you sent your spirit and that the spirit in us allows us to know your son and to know you. Lord, I thank you for just being our God. And Lord, I pray as we go through this sermon that it would be a sermon that honors you and that we can just sense the, the power and allow the Spirit to work in us. Lord, we thank you for the relationships that we have. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The kids can go downstairs if they, if they want to. And so today is uh, Compassion Sunday, but it's also the third uh, sermon in this series on relationships. And even though we might not be like Olive, often I've seen people that have way more money than, than them, right? People are more lost in that capacity than those that have nothing. But as you looked at that young girl, you can see that fear is universal in many different ways. But I can tell you also that the Spirit is universal. The Spirit is with us. The Spirit is, is directing us. And so on this Compassion Sunday, I challenge you to, to think about it. To think about what it means to help other people. And allow us to break down what the Spirit does in us and how the two can go hand in hand. Now I got a story about this uh, pastor, and he's one of my favorite pastors. And I'm telling you, I'm not going to do this today, as you can tell. I didn't hand out a compassion child to every one of you as you walked in. But this pastor I know, one of my favorite pastors, right? He, he hands out a compassion child to every single person that comes in. This is one of his first times preaching at a new church. And then he puts trash cans in the back of his sanctuary, and he dares the people to throw away these compassion children. Now, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to guilt you into any of that stuff, and... To be fair, I mean, he told the people, as soon as they decided that they wanted to sponsor a compassion child, they could leave. I'm not going to do that either. And what's so funny about the story is the next week, his church like grew like crazy because all the people in his congregation went and told everybody how crazy their pastor is. Now, I don't want to be crazy, but I do want this church to be in love with other people. I want this church to be in connection with the Spirit. I want this church to really care about the people that are outside these, far, these four walls as well as inside them. I believe that the Spirit is working in this place. I had this young man come to my office just this week. He played baseball for me and he shows up out of the blue and we helped him as a church. But as I got to sit down with him, that was one of the requirements. I really wanted to spend some time counseling him. And I asked him what his identity was. And he couldn't answer me. As I look out at the people in the church, I know that our identity is in Jesus. And I so want us to share that identity with everybody in our community. But we can't do it without the help of the Spirit. This week I was struggling, trying to write a sermon. Miss Liz can vouch for it, right? It seemed like every second somebody was coming in to the office. But I love how the Spirit works. Right, I kept telling Miss Liz, he'll, he'll, he'll bring this sermon when it's time. And on Tuesday, I got a card in the mail from one of the most beautiful people in our church. 
And in that card was the exact attributes that I wanted to use for this sermon. It said that God is our strength. God is our protector and our shield, and God is our comforter. I read those and instantly I knew that the Spirit was speaking. And I could pair those four along with what the Spirit is giving. And then I also want to talk about how the Spirit is a person. We should always be looking for the Spirit's direction. I truly believe that the Spirit influences every part of our lives. And throughout this series, we've studied the Father who is merciful, holy, willful, gracious, and He gives faith. We've studied the Son, who is spirit and truth. He is love. He is servanthood, forgiveness, and redemption. Every one of these attributes applies to God as a whole and to each of them individually. But our finite brains, we find it easier to associate them with different members of the Trinity. But before we can look at these attributes, I first want to look at the the Holy Spirit as a person. We often refer to him as an it. We think he's like the force in Star Wars, or we think he's like a ghost from a paranormal event. We have a hard time relating to the Spirit, even though he's the one that's directing us. So number one, the Spirit's a person. And not like you and I, per se, but a spiritual being that that is everywhere. The Bible tells us that he has a mind in Romans 8, 27. It tells us that he can speak in 1 Timothy 4.1, that he witnesses things in John 15.26, that he searches in 1 Corinthians 2.11, that he can be grieved in Ephesians 4.30, that he loves in Romans 15.30. He has intelligence, 1 Corinthians 2.10 and 11, and he can be tested, Acts 5 and 9. I mean, this sounds like a living person to me. And he has some of the same traits that we do, but not all of them, Right? He's definitely a lot more powerful, a lot grandier, more infinite than we could ever imagine to be. But I can tell you that He's alive and He's interceding in our life and He's teaching us. John 14, 26 says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. It's do not teach. The force does not affect my mind, and I have yet to sit down with a ghost. So how does Romans 12 come into play? How does this relationship with the person that is the Spirit work? Well, let's look at the text. Romans 12, 6-8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The Spirit is the grace given to us. And the word Spirit is not in this text, but but every theologian associates these with the spiritual gifts that we see elsewhere in the Bible. And so today, I'm going to have to use some other text to explain the attributes of the Spirit, but you can't miss it here in Romans 12. The word for gift here is charisma, which means a gift. It's where we get the word charismatic from. And when you hear the term charismatic church, we should focus on the gifts being provided by the Spirit. 
Now there are certain churches that are a little bit more into the Spirit. Back throughout church history, there's four different ways to look at the Spirit and, and how He works in the church. Now I got these from J.D. Greer. The first one is the sensationist position. In general, they believe that a lot of the sign gifts have seized this day. This is common in a lot of Baptist churches, but this is not where the leadership of our church is standing. On the other end of the spectrum is the Pentecostal position, which believes that all these gifts are in full operation and all believers should have all these gifts. And if you don't have all these gifts, then the Spirit's not really working in us. I went to a church one time in Omaha where people were literally jumping on the chairs and sprinting around the sanctuary. Now, if the Spirit tells me to sprint around the sanctuary, I should probably do it. But I'm not sure how that helps us share the gospel with people that are new believers or, or, or new people in the church. And then in the middle is the charismatic position. These are people that believe that the gifts exist and they are part of the normal ministry experience in the church. Tongues are usually what is associated with this and what gets discussed, but it applies to other gifts as well. Now, I have never seen somebody speak in tongues. And by tongues, what I mean is that somebody speaks in another language that somebody can understand without that person knowing what they were saying in that language. But I believe it can happen. Like I said, I haven't seen it, but I'm not willing to put God in a box or limit Him. But I hope that we'll never fake it. That we'll never fake anything when it comes to the Spirit. And that would make you think that I'm the fourth person, right? I mean, this, this open but cautious attitude. They believe that there's a lot of tricks and stuff that comes into the Spirit. They, they fool people into believing that the Spirit is working. They manipulate things and they pressure people to believe that they have to use these. And I believe this is happening in a lot of churches. I believe that we should never fake the influence of the Holy Spirit. But I'm not okay with just being open to the gifts. Here's what I believe. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I believe that every gift is possible. I believe we should be more than just open to them. We should seek them out earnestly. And if God wanted me to speak in the native Mayan tongue down in Belize so I could reach somebody, I should be open to that. I should be loving that. I should be pursuing that. But if He doesn't give me that, I should never fake it. I should have a desire for each of these gifts, not just speaking in tongue. All gifts are important. Every gift is from God, and every gift is part of this grace that is given to us. You see, preaching and speaking in tongues is not varsity gifts and, and uh, service and administration, JV gifts. We should desire the gifts that God has given us. And it should be this deep desire. Why? Because the Spirit is awesome. However, I feel like sometimes in the church we have a tendency to take Him for granted. Now most of us know the story of the transfiguration. If you don't, I'm just about ready to tell it. And basically what happens is Jesus, He takes Peter, James, and John up on a high hill and He's about to show Him this, this glimpse of His glory. Mark, He describes their clothes as the best bleach ever. Really, Mark? 
I mean, you look at it, the best bleach ever. Matthew says it's like the sun. Luke says it's like flashes of lightning. And Mark is like, yeah, there's some really white t-shirts. It's crazy. Needless to say, right, you have Elijah, you have Moses, and you have Jesus. It's like John Elway, Tom Brady, and Patrick Mahomes showing up to talk football, and you think that you need to be the one talking about it. But this is where we see Peter. Right? Peter doesn't have the Spirit working in him at this moment. We see in Mark 9, 5-6. through And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Guys, here's the leader in our church. He sees Jesus. He sees Moses and Elijah. They are chilling, right? They're right there. And then God literally speaks, this is my son. And yet later on, when Jesus is going to be tried, a young girl says, weren't you with him? And he denies Jesus. So what's the difference between this Peter and the one who boldly speaks after Pentecost and 3,000 people come to Christ? What's the difference between this Peter when he's in front of the high priest, the leaders of Jerusalem, and he says these very words? So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot speak but of what we have seen and heard. What a difference. What a difference. What a transformation in Peter. And I can tell you that Acts 4.8 tells us exactly what is happening. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Do we rely on that power? Peter is right here. The Spirit is why many of us want to be with Jesus before we didn't want anything to do with Him. Guys, I've been in the church my entire life, and it would be silly for me to think that just one day when I was 31, I just decided that I would go from hating church to being a pastor. That's ludicrous. Guys, the Spirit is the one that gives us the ability to have a relationship with God. He's the one that gives us the ability to have a relationship with others in Jesus. The Spirit is strength. He's the protector, the shield, the comforter. The Spirit is the giver. That sounds like somebody I want to have a relationship with. So number two, the Spirit is strength. I truly believe that the Spirit works in individuals in a mighty way. And He gives us strength permanently now. But in the Old Testament, He would show up on the scene and He would temporarily give them this indwelling. The New Testament teaches us this permanent dwelling. When we give our life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. But in the Old Testament, it was selective and temporary. The Spirit came upon such old people as as Old Testament people as Joshua and David. And David is the one I really want to look at today. My favorite story is David and Goliath. And I know a lot of us love David and Goliath. I mean, he's but a young boy, and he goes to the battlefield to bring some food to his brothers. They show up at the valley of Elah, and all these Israelite men are shaking in their sandals. 
And why not? I mean, this big old giant dude named Goliath, whose armor weighed probably more than some of the Israelites, is standing out there mocking them, calling them by name, even mocking the one true God. And you see this fear in these men. But not this fear in David. You see, fear does not have the same power over us when the Spirit is working in us. David, he found his strength in the Spirit. 1 Samuel 17, 26. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And David's a bad dude. I mean, think about that. Think about the size difference between the two. But he is only a bad dude because the Spirit is a bad dude working inside of him, man. There is no way that David should be as courageous as this. But his strength is not his own. Our strength is not our own. And we should allow ourselves to be weak and let the Spirit be strong. And then we'll start to see how God is going to work in every situation. We can see how powerful He is. And one of the greatest phrases in all the Bible, and any time I have the chance to say this, I am. And it's in, in 1 Samuel 17, 44-47. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. But then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. And that sounds like a man that is going full steam ahead, trusting in the Spirit. He knows where his strength comes from. Where does our strength come from? Does it come from the Spirit working inside of us? No matter what you're going through, it could be a broken marriage, it could be difficult kids, it could be cancer, it could be any kind of sickness, mental illness, doubt, even fear. Do you trust the Spirit in those moments? Do you listen to Him? He's that voice in your head that's telling you what is right. He's that voice in your head telling you to help somebody. He's the voice in your head telling you, you can do this. You can get through this. He's telling you that you're good enough, that you're smart enough. And doggone it, people like you. That's Stuart Smalley, but you get the picture. The Spirit gives us strength. He gives us strength to take on the world, but He also gives us this, this protection in the world. He shields us. So that's number three. The Spirit is protector. David, he, he understood the Spirit's protection. And we're going to look at Psalms. We're going to go there for a little bit. So if you want to turn over to Psalms 121, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. It says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Where does my help come from? Where does my protection come from? It comes from the Creator of everything. It's God and the 
And the Spirit is the person who carries out the action in all of this. This word help here is zir. It's used 18 times in the Bible. 16 times to describe God and twice to describe women in the creation story. You see, we tend to think of God as coming alongside of us when in fact it's more like it was when I went hunting with my dad as a little kid or when my kids try to help me put something together. They're not really helping. They're probably making it way more difficult. The same is true with us and the Spirit. You see, the Spirit is doing it. And we're to walk behind Him and try to stay out of the way. He's the protector. I never felt scared when I had my dad. I knew that He would take care of everything. The Spirit takes care of everything. And our job, our job is literally just to get out of the way. My buddy Jackson told me the other day, this might not be exactly what he said, but this is what I heard. He said, I do what the Spirit is calling me to do, and then I let Him do His thing. You see, we have to have a place in our life for the Spirit to do His thing, or we get out in front and we lose our protection. So this week, I want us to think in terms of whether or not we're getting out of the way of the Spirit and we're letting Him do His work. Can we think about that? Is that the way our life plays out? Psalm 121, 3 and 4. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I have to sleep. You have to sleep. But the Spirit, He never takes a break. Why would we not lean into that? And if you have somebody coming after you and you have a group of people, right? You take turns sleeping so other people can watch. I said that completely wrong, but you get the picture. The Spirit never sleeps. He's always watching. He's always protecting. Verse 5 and 6, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor by moon, or moon by night. My Christian standard Bible says the Lord protects you. So when you're walking down this path between cities, He's there. Now we don't think about the perils of the road, but when you're in Mexico at night, you stay off the road. During the Bible days, you stayed off the roads. You needed that protection from the Spirit. The Spirit's with you day and night. No matter the circumstances, do you trust Him? Verse 7 and 8, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. He doesn't protect you from some evil. I'm pretty sure the last time I checked, all means all. He's there to protect you from all evil. What can take your life? When heaven is on the other side. It does not matter whether it's at what time or, or what it is. He will be there. I've been thinking a lot lately. About how beautiful it is when the Spirit is walking in front of us. When He's with us as we go through these, these valleys. And He's caring for us. But what is so cool is that He doesn't do it begrudgingly. Begrudgingly. 
He enjoys it and He wants to comfort us through it. Which is number four. The Spirit is comforter. David understood his comfort. Turn over to Psalm 23, 1 and 2. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and He leads me beside still waters. How often do we find ourselves wanting something different in our life? And the Spirit reminds us what He wants. He reminds us in His text what is best for us. He says, rest, my son. The water's calm over here, my daughter. We get caught up in everything instead of leaning to the Spirit who is directing the process, who is restoring our soul. Verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Do we trust that He has a plan even when we don't understand it? Because in verse 4, he's even there as he walks through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We don't have to fight the fight. We can get behind him as he fights the fight. I just have to do what he tells me to do. I just have to be the sheep and allow him to be the shepherd. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Jesus is speaking here. He says, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. The Spirit is the shepherd in action. He's the rod and the staff that comforts us. He's the rubber meeting the road. He is the one doing the work. Verse 5 and 6, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. My cup You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When the enemy's all around, the comfort is so great that my cup overflows. In any situation, goodness and mercy are there, and not just today, but every day. I am His child and I will be that forever. That's a relationship. I mean, if I told you that you could have a friend that would strengthen you when you are weak, if I told you that you could have a friend that would protect you from all evil, if I told you that you could have a friend that would comfort you or when you are on the highest mountain and when you are in the lowest valleys, my guess is you would sign up for that relationship. But this friend doesn't just stop there. He empowers you by giving you these gifts. Gifts that that help you carry out God's purpose in your life. So number five, the Spirit is giver. We see this in Romans 12, 6-8. You see this grace given to us. We see prophecy. We see service. We see teaching. We see exhortation and 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 contribution, this, this, this giving and generosity. We see this leadership with zeal and we see mercy with cheerfulness. Here's the deal. The Bible tells us that all of us have a gift. But we have to use them. I mean, what good is a gift if we never use it? It just sits on the shelf and collects dust. I would never know if I could swing a baseball bat unless I did it. 
I'll never know how good a book is unless I read it. I'll never know what I'm capable of unless I push myself. And I'll never know what gift I have unless I seek it out. Do you have a desire for the spiritual gifts? 1 Corinthians 12, 6 tells us that everyone has one. Every one of you. That means you, 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 every single person sitting in these chairs that has given their life to Jesus, you have a gift. The problem is the church is not tapping into it. This gift that God has given us. In the Bible, it gives us a list of these gifts which we're going to talk about next week as we dive into how the body of Christ lives in relationship with one another. And I want you to think of these gifts. I want you to spend the week even asking somebody, what is the gift that God has given you? For instance, my buddy Jackson has this gift of exhortation, right? He encourages people. He builds them up in faith. And so today is Compassion Sunday. And I in no way want to guilt you in picking up one of those packets. But I do encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit and what He's telling you. Is He telling you to help somebody? Is He telling you to pray for somebody? Is He telling you to encourage somebody? So what gifts do you have? All of us are strengthened, protected. All of us are comforted by the person that is the Spirit. So don't disregard the gifts. Accept these gifts that He wants to give you. But please don't be fake or unrealistic about what they are. Really think about how God can use you. Now I believe that there are 23 spiritual gifts. Now there's some debate, but listen to these and think about which one is yours. My guess is you maybe have more than one. And then think about how it can build the relationship with others around you in this church and how we can use it to reach somebody and do something great in this community. So here they are, right? Try to hold on. Shepherding, wisdom, knowledge, faith, prophecy, healing, miracles, service, giving, helping, teaching, exhortation, evangelism, discernment, leadership, administration, tongues, interpretation, hospitality, mercy, craftsmanship, creativity, and counseling. That's a little fast. If you have a bulletin, I put those in the notes. And I did that for a reason, because I want you guys to grab a bulletin and I want you to look at it, because I put a little part in there that I really want you to look at this week, which is the reflection. I really want you to reflect on what God is doing, what the Spirit is trying to do in your life. Imagine the impact we could make if we were intentional in allowing the Spirit to direct us and to reach others. I truly believe that this church is on the cusp of making a difference in our community. I look around at the people and I see people that that love Jesus and love the Spirit and they're ready to do something in our community to reach people with this Gospel. But we have to have the Holy Spirit. We have to listen to Him. We have to lean into His strength. We have to understand that He will protect us and comfort us. We have to understand that He will be with us every step of the way as we use the gifts He has given us. Let's pray. Father, I thank You. Lord, I thank You so much 
I thank you that you not only love us, that you not only strengthen us and protect us and comfort us, I thank you that you provide for us, that you give us gifts so that we can have purpose, that we can have meaning in this world. And through that meaning, it can be directed towards you. Lord, I ask that we would just understand the Spirit more, that we would allow and and desire Him to work in us. Lord, I just thank you so much that you allow us to see you deeper and that you give us a helper. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.